0: continuing to look at this incredible book of Nehemiah, and we're really encouraging us all to be a people who take time to, to journey through the book of Nehemiah. There's not that many chapters, and um, it, you will definitely finish it before we finish it on a Sunday if you were to read it, but it is an amazing book that describes a man who had an incredible heart to build. Nehemiah was a man who was truly moved by what he saw and by what he heard. And as Nehemiah heard about the people that he loved, the people that were his family, that they were living in a time of incredible disgrace, in a time of shame and terror, and how the city that was the beloved city of Jerusalem The place that was known for the presence and for the glory of God was in a a place of shambles. As he heard about those things, he knew what it was for his heart to break. He knew what it was for his heart to be really touched as he heard about his fellow believers. And as we've seen already, as we've commenced our journey through the book of Nehemiah, we see how Nehemiah was not only heard about those things and, and heard the report and did nothing about it, but rather there was something in Nehemiah's heart that was touched in such a way that he had to pray. And what a way Nehemiah prayed. He not only prayed for one day, but they reckon he prayed for probably about four months where he came before the face of God and inquired of God what he should do in the situation that his people were in at that time. He was moved to pray. He was moved to mourn. There were tears that were flowing because of the need of his people at that time. He was also in a place of fasting, a place where he went without food because of the situation that his fellow brothers and sisters were in. It was also a place where he began to lament. It was a place where he said that I will speak boldly to the king at the time and I will also act because of what is going on. The thing was in order for Nehemiah to know what it was for the the shame and the disgrace and the terror of the people of God to be lifted, he knew that he couldn't just do it on his own. In order for the glory and for the presence of God to be revealed back in the city of Jerusalem and for the shambles to be lifted off that city, once again, he knew he couldn't do it on his own. And that is why he fasted, that's why he prayed to his God, because he needed to know what it was for God to give him favour at that time, in that circumstance, in that situation. He needed to know what it was for the king to be able to act on his behalf, not only the heavenly king, but also the earthly king as well. And Nehemiah knew also that he needed the people of God in Jerusalem to join with him with that which God had placed in his heart. And what a picture we have in chapter 3 of the people of God doing just this. The people of God were not just people of words, but rather they were people of action. Because Nehemiah came before the people and he revealed to them what God had placed in his heart to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And as he said that unto the people that day, the people of God said, let's start rebuilding. You find that in in verse 18, I think of chapter 3 or maybe uh, chapter 2. But there was something within them that said, come on, let's start rebuilding. There was a connection of heart that took place. It wasn't just Nehemiah who had a heart to build, but rather the people had a heart to build as well. And yet I'm so glad they wasn't just people who said, come on, Nehemiah, let's start rebuilding. And then they sat in their seats. They sat down and did nothing about it, but rather they were people that joined together. The people got up and they helped. They did their part. Everybody helped apart from the nobles. Isn't that incredible? Chapter three, verse five reveals that everybody helped. And yet the nobles, it says, they did not lift a finger. What a picture that is. Here they are, young and old, People of high education, people of little education, people of high rank and low rank. And they all are playing their part in order to see the walls being rebuilt. And yet the nobles did not lift a finger. What a thing that is. And if ever we lived in a time where I believe that God is called us to be a people who have a heart to build, it's surely today. To be a people who don't so much build for our own sake. For our own glory. For our own, own fame. Not so that we get all of the glory. But in order that God gets the glory. I believe it's today. That God is looking for men and women who have a heart after God's own heart. Looking for people today who will be a people that say there's shame and there's disgrace and there's terror all around us right now. And we cannot just sit back and do nothing about it, but rather we need to do something. And therefore we line our hearts with the heart of God. And we unite together with other individuals to see about change and to see about transformation. You know, one of my highlights in being ta- in Tanzania this year was only a couple of days before I returned home, was I, I went to a place called Courage. And Courage is a, a, is a place where it, it, the, the original kind of vision of it started in America, and they built a home in America. And in America, they built this home in order to take people who have been into human trafficking, people's lives that have been totally and absolutely devastated because they've been taken into human slavery. And it started in America, and now they've got a home in Tanzania. And I went there on Tuesday afternoon, I think it was Tuesday afternoon, that I, I went and visited this home. I've never felt so humbled in all my life as I walked into that home. There were 18 girls in this home who have been cared for, who have been looked after. And all of them are under the age of 16. Every single one of them under the age of 16. And in that home, there was two little toddlers that were running around. Their moms are in the home. And their moms have been raped. There's a little girl there who's pregnant with her first child. And yet these girls radiated the love of God. We played volleyball together. I need to get a volleyball net, Alan. That's a reminder for me to say to you. I need to get another one for them, guys. But just like, wow, God, that they've aligned their hearts with God's heart and seen transformation taking place in the lives of those 18 girls. And they've got plans. The plan is that for courage to have a 1,000 homes right across the world. How many have they got now? They've got two right now. One in California and one in Tanzania. And yet they believe that God has given them a vision to open 1,000 homes right across the world. But they know they can't do it on their own. That they need people to partner with them. And I believe that we are living in those days today where God is asking us to be a people who have a heart to build for his kingdom. In order to lift off shame and disgrace and terror from individuals around about us. And therefore we need to be like Nehemiah because Nehemiah was a man who was prayerfully dependent upon God. He was a man who was willing to respond practically and also partner with other people to see transformation take place. And I really believe that the more and more that we we join together, the more and more that we prayerfully are dependent upon God, the more and more that we align our hearts with God, I believe that in our world today we can see what it is for terror to be lifted, for disgrace to be taken away from communities that God has called us to as we unite together for the cause. There's no time like the present to put to use that which God has placed within us. And that's why last week this. Um, and many of you would have received this if you weren't here last week, or if you haven't looked it already, really encourage you to have a look at this. It talks about get involved, find your place to serve in, in many of the different ministries that we have that flow out of this local church. And I really want to encourage you, if you are not playing your part, play your part. Don't be like the nobles who don't lift a finger who look at the walls going up, and I reckon there must have come a time in the nobles' lives when they must have thought, you know what, I wish we'd done something. I wish we'd joined together. But it was too late for them, maybe, as they saw the walls being at half height, And therefore, I want to encourage you, look at that today, but it's not limited to this, because it's wherever God has called us to be in our communities. You know, for Nehemiah and the Jewish remnant, though, it wasn't all plain sailing. And the reason I say that is because they experienced incredible resistance. You've got your Bibles, let's read some of Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4, I'm going to read from verse 1. It says this here, When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious. He mocked the Jews before his colleagues and the powerful men of Samaria and said, What are these prophetic Jews doing? Can they restore it by themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they ever finish it? Can they bring these burnt stones back to life from the mounds of rubble? Then Tamiah, the Ammonite, who was beside him, said, Indeed, even if a fox climbed up what they are building, he would break down their stone wall. Listen, our God, for we are despised. Make their insults return on their own heads and let them be taken as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their guilt or let their sin be erased from your sight because they have angered the builders. So we rebuilt the wall until the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had the will to keep on working. When Samballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, Ammonites, and Ashadites heard that the repair to the walls of Jerusalem was progressing and that the gaps were being closed, they became furious. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw it into confusion. So we prayed to our God and stationed a God because of them day and night. In Judah, it was said, The strength of the laborers fails since there is so much rubble. We will never be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemy says they won't realize until we're among them and can kill them and stop the work. When the Jews who lived nearby arrived, they said to us time and time again, everywhere you turn, they attack us. So I stationed people behind the lowest sections of the wall at the vulnerable areas I stationed them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I made an inspection, I stood up and said to nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord and fight for your countrymen, your sons and daughters, your wives and homes. When our enemies heard that we knew their scheme and that God had frustrated it, every one of us returned to his own work on the wall. From that day on, half of the men did the work while the other half held spears, swords, bows, and armor. The officers supported all the people of Judah who were rebuilding the wall. The laborers who carried the loads worked with one hand and held a weapon with the other. Each of the builders had his sword strapped around the waist while he was building and the trumpeter was beside me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, the work is enormous and spread out. We are separated far from one another along the wall. Wherever you hear the trumpet sound, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work. While well, half of the men were holding spears from daybreak until the stars came out. At that time, I also said to people, let everyone and his servants spend the night inside Jerusalem so they can stand guard by night and work by day. And I, my brothers, my servants, and the men of the guard with me never took off our clothes. Each carried his weapon even when washing. Wow! What hearts those people had. Such was the threat that was coming against them. It would have been so easy for them to give up the fight. It would have been so easy for them to say, well, let's just get away from Jerusalem. Let's do a runner. And yet there was something within them that said, it's worth the fight. And I really want to say to people today who may be feeling like right now, that this is a point to give up, it's worth the fight. It's worth the fight. It really is. It's gonna be a fight, but it's worth the fight. That this is a time to run, this is a time to give in and to give up, but rather, it's worth the fight. It's a time to dig in. And that is what the people of God did here. Nehemiah, he encouraged the people to dig in. Do not give up, but to dig in and to keep on going. What incredible resistance they experienced. They experienced so much opposition to the walls being rebuilt. And chapter 4 gives us a, a clear indication of the attack the people of God came under as they sought to rebuild the walls. And I want to say today that sometimes people think that when resistance comes, it must mean that we're out of the plan and the purpose of God. You know, the reality is that very often it's when you bang central in the middle of the plan and the purpose of God that then you experience resistance. And for the people of God, they experienced resistance And sometimes we're surprised when resistance comes. We're surprised when opposition comes our way. But very often I believe that resistance and opposition is a clear indication that we are doing what God has called us to do. We cannot simply expect it to be plain sailing because there's an enemy who doesn't want us to build for the kingdom of God. At the end of the day, the enemy doesn't want to see the communities that God has called us to be, to be transformed by the love and by the life of God. And therefore, he's gonna seek to put resistance in the way. He's gonna seek to put opposition and obstacles in the way as well. The thing that causes me to rejoice and causes me to keep on going is that I know that my God is far more powerful than any opposition or obstacle that may seem to stand in our way. And when obstacle comes, when resistance comes, we can make a choice to keep on going or to give in. Many of you know that um, last year I, I ran the Birmingham Marathon. And then I got injured, or I got injured before the Birmingham Marathon. And then I slipped over a couple of times and therefore I didn't run. ran very little. In Tanzania I was like, come on, I'm gonna try and get back into running. But I forgot Moshi is at high altitude. But I did, I ran. In Tanzania, I ran in Moshi at high altitude, which is just at the bottom of Kilimanjaro, which is the largest um, mountain in in Africa, which is an amazing place. But as I was running, and it was difficult at times to breathe, I was thinking, you know what? This is building something within me. This is building something within me. Because of the resistance that I had to go through. And I really want to encourage you today that some of the resistance that you're experiencing right now, if you'll keep on going, it will build something within you. It will build something within you. It won't come for the easy days. It'll come for the tough days. It'll come for the difficult days, but it will build something within you. So sometimes we're quick to say God changed the day, but sometimes God says you need to weather the day. You need to weather the storm, as it were, because through the storm, it's there you see me. It's there my power and my glory is revealed. And here we see the opposition that Nehemiah and the people of God came under, they were furious. It says in verse 1 there that when they, they heard about what was going on, it says they became furious. They became stomping mad. I want to tell you that something within me wants to make the enemy stomping mad, because what we're doing together, don't you? I don't want the enemy not to bother us because he thinks, what about Elim Life Church, King Stanley? What about Barbara Pasar? She's no problem, man. Or, that church is nothing, man, because they're not doing anything. I want the enemy to get stomping mad, as it were, because he sees what we're seeking to accomplish, to see our communities transformed for the life and by the love of God. And that's what happened. The enemies of of Jerusalem were stomping mad. They were furious. And they came against the people of God. And what did they begin to do? They began to insult them. They began to insult who they were. In verse 2, we see that. They said, what are these prophetic Jews doing? That is an insult. That is an absolute insult. But that's what the enemies began to shout at them. What are these prophetic Jews doing? Can they really restore it by themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they ever finish it? Insult after insult. And I want to say today that so often the tactic that the enemy seeks to throw at us is insults. He tries to belittle us. He tries to make us feel so small. He says things like, who do you think that you are that you'll really make a difference in your community? Who do you think you are that you really make a difference in the world that we are in today? Who do you think we are? Do you really think that will work? Do you really think that will make a difference? And it's the insults that come against us and bring us down. You know, years ago I was told, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That is a load of rubbish. That is an absolute lie. I want to tell you, sometimes I've been hit with sticks and stones. And I've got over it. But some of the names that I was called as a young man still stick with me today. And that's what the enemy seeks to do. He seeks to belittle us. He seeks to insult us and bring us down. And that is what Sambalat Tobiah, the enemy sought to do to Nehemiah and the people. He sought to insult them. And as I was preparing for today, I really felt that there's people in this place today who are going to be here. And that's what the enemy sought to do. He sought to make you really small right now. And that's why I proclaim over your life today the song that we sang today. You are a child of God. You've been chosen by God. You've been chosen for a purpose. You've been chosen for a reason. You're not a nobody, but rather you are a somebody in God. It says in Psalm 139 that even before you were knit together in your mother's womb, that God knew all the days that were planned for you, that God has a plan and a purpose for you. He has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. He sought to insult them. The enemies also sought to intimidate them. In verse eight, it says there, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to throw it into confusion. They gathered forces together in order to intimidate them by coming against them in credible numbers. Again, that is what the enemy seeks to do. He seeks to intimidate us. He seeks to to make us feel like that we're the only person who's trying to make a difference. We're the only person who is standing for God because the enemy seeks to come in. The thing was that Nehemiah and the people of God would not allow themselves to succumb to the attacks of the enemy. In verses four to six, what does it seem like? In Nehemiah, the people say there, it says, Listen, our God, for we are despised. Make their insults return on their own heads and let them be taken as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their guilt or let their sin be erased from your sight because they have angered the builders. The place they went to was God. They took the fight to God." And sometimes we're ready to fight the enemy, as it were, in our own strength. But the people of God, Nehemiah and the people did not do that. They took the fight to God. And again, I want to encourage you today, take the fight to God. Because even right now, it may be coming in human form, but look beyond the human form because it's the work of the enemy that is seeking to destroy you right now. And we do not overcome the enemy. We do not fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against principalities and powers in this dark age. And therefore, we need to choose a different way. And that is what the people of God sought to do there by taking, as it were, the fight to God. I love it goes on today to get us to say, so we rebuilt the wall until the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. For the people had the will to keep on working. Resistance did not stop them, but rather it propelled them forward. Pressure actually propelled them forward. And may that be the case for us, that when the pressure comes, it does not stop us, but rather it propels us to keep on going. And in verses 9 onwards, we see how the people of God responded to the intimidation by praying. They set up a watch and they were always ready for the battle by carrying their weapons with them. In one hand, they had the trowel in the other hand, they had a sword that was ready to fight. And what a picture that is, a towel in one hand and a sword in the other hand. That they were ready for battle and they were ready to build. And that is what God desires for us today, that we would be people who are building but are battling at the same time and the two go hand in hand, that we need to battle and we need to build at the same time and that we are always dressed, ready for battle. Ephesians chapter six, that is what we need to do is put on the full armor of God in order that we may be able to stand in this day. I love how in the midst of the opposition that Nehemiah stands up and says, don't be afraid of them. What a radical! Don't be afraid of them. And then he goes on to say in verse 14, remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord. Remember the Lord. I want to say today what Nehemiah said to the people all those years ago. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. Remember who is on our side today. The great and awe-inspiring God is on our side. You know, Nehemiah was a man who knew the tactics of the enemy. He knew that the enemy was seeking to intimidate them, was seeking to, to bring them down. He also knew that the enemy would seek to isolate them. It was a tactic of the enemy to isolate them. And therefore we see how Nehemiah addresses the people in verse 19 and he says these words. Then I said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, the work is enormous and spread out and we are separated far from one another along the wall. Nehemiah knew that they were in trouble if they kept isolated. If they kept separated one from each other, it'd be easy for the the enemy to get in. And therefore, he said, we've got to keep on going. We've got to keep on building over here as well as building over here. But the problem is that that we're isolated, that we're building over here and and they're building over there. And the enemy can get in and attack us. So what we are going to do? We need to be a people who have a trumpet call. And there would be a point when the enemy was coming and he said, listen out for the trumpet call because when I blow the trumpet, you need to come together. You need to come together and fight at that point. There needs to be a trumpet call. And I want to say today that we, just like the people in Nehemiah's day, they were scattered at large, building different parts of the wall over here in the eastern, over here in the west, in different parts of the wall. And they had to get on with that. They were scattered far and wide. And the same is true of us. That this week, praise God, we're going to be scattered far and wide. There can be people who are going to be transforming their community in the city centre of Birmingham. Because that's where you work. There'll be people who are transforming Jaguar because that's where they work. There'll be people who'll be transforming this school over here because that's where God has called you for such a time as this. There's people who live in Aldridge. There's people that live in Kingstown, in Great Bar, in Sutton Coalfield, in Erdington, wherever it may be, down on the Wiley Birch, up on the Feezy. And thank God for all of that. But I want to say to you, we need a trumpet call. We need a trumpet call, a trumpet call. I wanna say that when we gather together like this, this is a trumpet call moment. This is a trumpet call time where we say, come on guys, We need to pull together right now in order that we may encourage one another, in order that we may build one another up, in order that we may spur one another to keep on going. That is what life groups are about. Small groups, cell groups, house groups, whatever you want to call it, I don't mind, but that's what that's about. It's a trumpet call that says, come on, let's get together. Let's pray together. Let's build one another up. Let's strengthen one another because we've got a job to do. And that's what Nehemiah knew. And he said that he really realized that the enemy would seek to isolate them. So therefore, he got out his trumpet and said, when I blow this trumpet, come together. Come together. And my prayer today is that in the midst of what you and I may be going through today or tomorrow or next week, That we wouldn't be a people who lose our heart for what God has called us to do and God has called us to be because of the pressure, because of the resistance that comes. But that we are a people who say, in the midst of all this stuff, that in the midst of the insults, we're going to keep on going. In the midst of the intimidation, we're going to keep on going. In the times when we feel like we're isolated, don't forget there's a whole lot of people of God who are doing it. They're just not doing it alongside you right now, but they're doing it. But when the trumpet call comes, we come together and we strengthen one another, we build one another up. And the enemy insults us, he insults what we're doing, he says, you know, if anything climbs on this, it's just gonna fall over. It's not gonna last, it's not gonna remain. But I want tell you, when you're building for the kingdom of God, the glory of God, it may not look much, but it's so powerful. Because sometimes it's just a grain of a mustard seed. But it has so much power in it. So I don't know today if you're in that place like Nehemiah and the guys was all those years ago. When the enemy was seeking to come, to distract and destroy To bring them down. And I really sense today as I was preparing, I'm going to ask the team to start to make the way back. That there'll be people here today. And that's how you feel right now. That you just feel like giving in and you feel like giving up. And yet you've heard God say to you today, don't give in, don't give up, but dig in. Dig in.